You are listening to the Food Means Business Podcast, which features the personal stories and secret ingredients behind what it's like to abandon your day job to start a food business. I'm Janaba Johnson-Jones, former marketing executive turned entrepreneur and founder of food business incubator Hudson Kitchen. Join our community of fellow food business owners and subject matter experts to learn and laugh with us as we explore a startup world that's a little more culinary and a lot less corporate these days. Hi, Emily. Thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the Food Means Business Podcast. Hi. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So I'd love to just jump in and talk about your career trajectory. Um, This podcast is all about um, individuals that go from working a corporate job to launching a business. So I'd love to hear your story. My story. Um, It starts, I guess, at a little bitty yogurt company that you now know as Chobani. Um, I was one of the early employees. and built the digital marketing team there, the web presence for the brand. So social media in its sort of early days, influencer relations in its infancy before content creators was a term. And I had the good fortune of working pretty closely with that founder who's pretty, uh, pretty exceptional human being and leader and entrepreneur. So I think that's where I caught the bug and certainly uh, built the desire to create a business that would do good in the world. He sort of taught me that um, whether you like it or not, business is actually the way to affect change. Uh, So when I left there, I didn't want to just go work another old desk job. Um, The company had grown faster than you know, Facebook and Twitter combined at the time uh, may still be one of the fastest growing um, food companies in history. And I knew that I wouldn't be content just going anywhere else after that. So I decided to, uh, in typical millennial form, take some time. I traveled <laughs> uh, and regained my breath, regained myself a little bit and decided that I would consult with small food companies and I did that for about eight years, maybe seven or eight years. And it's over the course of that time working with these businesses, primarily at the point at which they were just coming to life, just launching their products, that I had the idea to create what is now Papa Grocer. That is so cool. So um, thank you for that. So take us back a little bit. Get, tell us about little Emily and what her plans were for the future growing up. Like your family, was food always a part of what you, um, of, of your life and, and, you know, what you did growing up? No. Um, little Emily was- Me either. Pretty, <laughs> little Emily was pretty lonely um, and pretty independent. So my interest in food really spawned in college, I think, when I realized I was an adult and I would have the opportunity to create my own food reality and uh, kind of reform my diet, my relationship with food. So uh, like most dietary transition stories or like... uh, passion for food epiphanies. It began in Italy. I went abroad and just realized that everything I had believed about food um, as sort of like a means 
to an end <laughs> was wrong or just a way of uh, living that I, I no longer desired. And I really um, started to eat for pleasure and enjoyment and nourishment. And uh, yeah, that's where a much healthier uh, sort of positive relationship with food began. Um, and I guess, yeah, shaped my my career. Got it. So um, let's talk about Pop-Up Grocer. So you came up with this idea. How did the idea come to be? And um, how do you work with emerging brands? So in my work with, uh, in my consulting work with these brands as they were coming to market, I got a peek behind the curtain at the experience uh of launching in, in retail in brick and mortar for the first time. I'd never really been exposed to that in my work for a CPG company, kind of being isolated in digital marketing. And I just realized how difficult, uh, very simply, it was for a product to get on shelf, to be accepted by a retailer. And then once you're there, uh, all of the new barriers that emerge, a lot of which are cost prohibitive, um, slotting fees, demanded marketing spend, um, in addition to just very simply being one of like 60 SKUs uh, within a category. And so it would be very easy for someone to overlook you uh, in such a crowded space. And so uh, a light bulb went off for me uh, having worked so intimately with these brands and, and feeling so passionate about what they were creating and truly feeling like it was exceptional business end to end, uh, and wanting them to, to have the opportunity to just simply get in front of the people that they were looking to reach. Um, uh, that's when I realized that I should just create that environment myself if it didn't exist. So that's sort of the ideal physical space in which to launch a product. And uh, that's what I created in April 2019, a 10-day grocery store pop-up. It was really no bigger ambition than that at the time. I thought maybe it was going to be an additional service offering that I would extend to my clients um, and potentially a good way for me to interact with a lot of emerging brands and create a pipeline for my consulting business. I certainly didn't envision uh, it in and of itself being my my business moving forward. So how does it work? Um, do you, How do you select the brands that you, you feature in your stores? So to date, we have opened uh, nine pop-ups across seven cities. They exist for 30 days at a time in each city. And we feature somewhere between 100 and 150 brands that fall under the grocery umbrella. So food, beverage, home, pet, body care. Um, and that uh, amounts to somewhere around 400 SKUs or products. Oh. Uh, and our criteria have been more or less the same from day one. Uh, one, and probably the most important of which for our concept particularly is, is it new to market? So everything we feature is a new product uh, from an emerging brand, which we define as having 
come into existence, you know, within the last five or so years. Um, and it has to be doing something creative and innovative. So uh, using a familiar ingredient in a new format, um, there may be a sustainability component, uh, may have a really compelling founding story. So that's where the meat of our uh, decision-making lies. And then once it passes that first criterion, we look at uh, ingredient sourcing responsibility and packaging. It has to be uh, superficially cute. I I uh, I agree. Like I think beautiful packaging sells the product for sure. And your stores are beautiful, so you want to have something pretty on the shelves as well. Yes, selfishly, <laughs> it contributes to the overall design and aesthetic appeal. Uh, and we also know at this point what gets people excited. So it's to the brand's benefit too. You know, we want them to be received well in our space. And so having a packaging that stands out on shelf is going to make them more successful. So I read that you are opening a permanent location for a pop-up grocer. And I'm just, um, first, congratulations on that. I think that that's fantastic. How will the permanent location differ from the the pop-ups that go on? Yeah, so I think a lot of pop-up concepts are are uh, primarily in existence to test for a permanent model. Will this work? Um, our pop-up uh, model will be retained in the permanent model. So um, pop-ups have always been our thing and will continue to be in that like we create this momentous occasion on which to visit uh, a new set of products that we believe people want to discover. And so um, the the nature of the pop-up is well suited to what it is that we want to accomplish. Uh, and so the, perm- the distinction between pop-ups, which we'll continue to do across the country, and the permanent store are just that this will be a long-standing destination a reliable destination for people to come and discover new products. Um, they will just continuously rotate. So I think our challenge for the next year is to kind of retrain people who know us as the traveling, like the traveling circus of grocery, um, to understand that that pop-up now means uh, in the permanent stores anyway, that the stuff is always new, uh, but we are here to stay. Great. So um, can you give a, an example of some brands that you've worked with that kind of started out in your stores that may have gone on to do great things? So many. Uh, I would love to be able to take credit. Um, I I can't do that, unfortunately. I wish there was, I was just saying this yesterday, I wish there was like a tracking device, you know, um, or something that could really allow for us to see the progress uh, of a brand once it's been in our store um, and and its life thereafter. But unfortunately, that doesn't yet exist. Um, but yes, we have many success stories, uh, countless, in fact. I was just talking yesterday with someone about how um, Partake Foods was a part of our yeah. very first uh, location, the, the test even. Um, Denise and her husband uh, hand-delivered boxes of cookies um, and obviously now it's just so rewarding. Um, Amazing. Yeah. Someone who's so deserving uh, of success have really um, 
what feels like skyrocketed. <laughs> I'm sure it doesn't feel <laughs> like that to them, but um, feels like it happened really fast. And, and so that's uh, really thrilling for us to be a part of the ride. Um, same thing with Fly by Jing. Uh, they were also a very a part of our very first store. Um, and you know now are available in Costco and have a myriad of, of wonderful products in their portfolio. Uh, sales in our last pop-up, about a third of them uh, were Flyby Jing. Oh, wow. The success of, of that brand is, uh, is amazing. Um, and I could go on and on, honestly. <laughs> um, yeah, it's really just uh, over the last three years that we've been doing this, we've We've had the great fortune and pleasure to work with brands time and time again. Some have been a part of every single pop-up that we've done, just continuously launching new flavors, um, et cetera, with us. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it's a great joy and the reason why it is that um, we do what we do. I completely agree. Like I, um, I've been seeing brands and come into Hudson Kitchen that have grown onto their own facilities and are doing amazing. So I, while I can't take credit either, I'd love to be a part. I always tell them I, I really enjoy being a part of their journey. That kind of is rewarding for me. So I, to- I totally get it. Um, you know, when I was researching, I just got curious: Has any like big grocery or big food companies come to attempt to work with Pop Up Grocer? Brands or retailers? Retailers, yeah. Um, yes, yes, and yes. I don't know why I asked for clarification. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, when I opened that first pop up, like I said, I didn't really expect it to be anything at all. I obviously had no idea how to. I'm, I'm maybe not obviously, but I had no idea how to run a grocery store. I still don't, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, I tell people all the time that no one knows what they're doing, and if they tell you anything different, they're just better liars, I guess, than, than I am. Um, but I definitely have no idea what I'm doing. Um, and uh, I was then stunned um, when all kinds of interested parties reached out to me just at the end of that 10 days, uh, including some of you know the biggest retailers in America. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, there are a lot of things that these big retailers do well, and there are a lot of things that, a few things <laughs> that I think they're willing to admit that they're, they're really uh, not good at. And I uh, can confidently say that one of those is sourcing emerging brands and specifically sourcing those that are really going to be a match for uh, their consumer base in terms of price and appeal and um, founding story and all of that. Yeah, I have to imagine they're using pop-up grocery to uh, to uh, uh, find a, a brands fill, to fill their own shelves with. I'd have to assume that you're, you're, you're definitely the testing ground for yeah. them. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it's been, you know, we do an end-of-year survey among our brands and year after year, one of the top three reasons why they say they have um, uh, found such value in working with us is this pop-up grocer stamp of approval. Uh, If they're just the sheer fact that they're able to go to a retailer and say, we've been in pop-up grocer, despite what they sold, um, that sales data is really helpful and validating as well. 
is is really meaningful to a buyer. And and then again, that's surprising. <laughs> surprising to me. I'm like, who me? Little old us. Uh, but you know, I mean, we are doing a lot of hard work in terms of finding these brands, building relationships with them, scrutinizing their labels. So uh, it's extremely helpful for those um, for whom this is the, it's their job to do that as well. Thank you. Um, can you talk a little bit about, because I know you get to see everything that kind of comes through. Uh, can you talk about uh, 2023 and what you're seeing as far as food trends? As someone who has been surprised over the last three years to witness how little people know how to cook or um, hmm. how timid people are about trying new things, uh, I think to see some of the things that are widely accepted in our space uh, just means that we're moving in the right direction. Um, we uh, have also noticed in terms of um, uh, protein bars, you know, um, or some like more uh, overwhelmingly popular items of the last few years, there seems to be some decreased uh, interest. Um, and I don't know if it has to do with like protein specifically, but uh, I think this younger generation is um, optimistically viewing diet uh, with a bit more like intuition and balance than being so um, conscious of uh, calories and um, yeah, the, the, the back label counts. Um, they're more like front label excitement and colors and um, taste. I don't know, uh, which I personally just think is, is an, again, like like I said, when I had a sort of reinvigorated um, uh, view on food in Italy, I just um, selfishly like thinking about food in a less restrictive way. Um, so I don't know, that's kind of a dodgy answer to your question, I guess, but I, I don't like mushrooms are going to be big. I don't, they're already big. I don't like, I don't know what there is. There, you know, like I don't want to be the one who says like, I don't know, collagen and, in drink. I don't like, I don't necessarily want that to be big. I don't know. Um, I think, uh, I think some of the trends of the last couple of years will continue as well. As far as like the overwhelming shift to, food almost like fashion being mm. very much uh, or your food choices being very much a statement of your identity and um them being really cool uh or, or the need to be cool uh and story forward uh, as a result cool thank you so um as a business owner, sometimes we get kind of wrapped up in <laughs> our businesses and what we do and sometimes tend to think think about them 24-7, wondering what you do to relax or kind of step away from the business so you can kind of reinvigorate yourself and, and move forward. Um, I'm also terrible at answering this question. I am really <laughs> good at – I'm really good at setting boundaries. I'm not um, – Oh, that's great. Like, I'm not a freak about work. Um my boyfriend like recently was like um, 
dare I say, criticizing me a little bit, or I think he's very curious. He's like, I'll be interested to see if this all works out for you, you know, because you're so chill. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it would be a good case study or something, you know, if you're able and chill. Um, But I guess that's what I'm I'm trying. Uh, I'm doing it for the good of us all, you know, because if it works, then everyone can follow suit. Um, It's true. No, that's great. I I keep reading about reading about that I keep reading about like work less make more money or whatever like be more successful and so I think there's got to be something to that yeah yeah (laughs) I am I have a very I'm a very routine person so like I wake up every morning and I move my body in some way um I come back and I cook a really delicious nutritious breakfast um and uh have a similar sort of um, routine to close out my day. I make a lot of room for time or for um, friends and social activity and um, time in nature. And uh, yeah, I think it, it makes me more productive and work more efficiently in the hours that I do actually spend. And, and I, I don't carry so much resentment throughout the day as a result. <laughs> I think that's great. We can all <laughs> aspire to be like you, Emily, for sure. I don't know. Care less. It's for me so far. <laughs> so at Hudson Kitchen, we have um, what we call the money bell that we ring. People are celebrating something. Could be anything from getting, you know, a new, taking on a new retail partner or new customers. So we'd love to hear like what you're celebrating. Could be anything business related or personal as well. Hmm. Um, I'm celebrating the opening of our first store. It seems like such an obvious answer, but it really is Mm -hmm. the most thrilling thing in my life right now. Definitely the most challenging and the most teaching as well. Um, it took us 18 months to land a location. It's not something I expected. Um, nor forecasted from a financial perspective for the company. Um, it is, it was a real test to my chill mode. Um, <laughs> just enduring. I mean, we just, I endured so much rejection. Uh, I wouldn't wish it upon anyone. I mean, just landlord after landlord just didn't want to take a risk on us. Uh, they would much prefer to take a tenant who has 15 other locations or, $50 million in the bank. We obviously don't have either of those things or anything close to it. Um, so it feels like an enormous win just to get the space. And now I'm crossing all these other hurdles, like trying to get costs down for the build out and trying to ensure we open within our free rent period. It is not for the faint of heart. So, um, I will really be ringing the bell when we're open and this thing is like real and I haven't run the company into the ground. (laughs) Um, So excited for that. Yeah. Yeah. It took me four years to, from idea to opening my facility. So I, I, I'm with you. I understand. Yeah. And so to me, I kind of realize it's about the journey and not necessarily, you know, when the thing actually opens and happens. Yeah. (laughs) Amazing. Congratulations. I mean, yeah, it's a real test of patience. And I already knew I didn't have any. (laughs) The the situation kind of makes you have the patience. So it's fine. It all all works out. Yeah. yeah, We can all, we can all stand to 
improve in the areas in which we are weak in. Well, Emily, thank you so much for joining us on the Food Means Business podcast. Please let everyone know where they can find out about you and more about Pop-Up Grocer. Yeah, popupgrocer.com is our website with all the information about uh, where we're opening next. We have a full brand directory if you want to poke around uh, and use some filters, you know, by dietary preference um, or values and see some of the brands that we feature. And we're also on Instagram where you can talk with us at popup.grocer. Cool. Thank you so much. The Food Means Business podcast is produced by Hudson Kitchen. It's recorded and edited at the studio at Kearney Point. Our theme song is by Damian DeSandes, and I'm your host, Janaba Johnson-Jones. Find out more about Hudson Kitchen by visiting thehudsonkitchen.com or follow us on Instagram at The Hudson Kitchen. Listen, follow, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time.